Yeah. Hey ho. Woo. This is getting worse and worse. Live from a Kimball scented ESG dude ranch. It's yet another Woke Wednesday edition of Business Pants. Joined as always by analyst hold Matt Muscardi. Yeah. Might be our wokest edition yet. Really? Why? I don't know why. I mean, we're about to spend 17 hours talking about a pay package for a man uh, that woke a big don't billionaire like. diaper baby. In today's fake particle board called... January 31st, 2024, the soap opera of Tesla CEO Elon Musk and how it proves yeah. definitively that we are right. Yes. Yes. How many, like, there's there's so much that we're right about all the time. Speaking right, of which, our on. show today is being sponsored by Free Flow Analytics, the only ESG data platform to measure real board influence and diversity power gaps. Listen to that crowd. Hey, really, they're not only do they love free-floating analytics, but they love that we're right. Uh, before I get into the big story, I the one data point I've been saying over and over and over again since we launched our platform, I don't even know when we did that last summer, was... Uh, yeah, we launched the platform in July and the podcast four years ago. Was this, Well, the data point that I'm referring to, though, is relatively new for us, is, th- is this, that there's no other... Enterprise, no other research organization, no other data provider, no other ESG, re- whatever, who cares? No, yeah. nobody else quantifies the power of board members. Yeah, accurately. No one, everyone knows that Elon Musk is a dominant figure, in control, a dictator, blah blah blah. But we are the only ones who provide quantitative proof of that fact by setting an actual number on it. With me- yeah. method, with methodologies behind it, we're not just strive asset who just hates women. We have a methodol- <laughs> methodological approach behind it, and it says in our database. Again, this is not a political stance. This is just, uh, this is just analyzing the data and articulating uh, th- that set of data, which is that Elon Musk controls seventy percent of board influence at Tesla. Yeah. That's it. It's not an agenda. Not, not only is that it, but there are nobody over else can do that. 30, nobody. There are over thirty academic research papers that we use. It's not like a made up. It's I mean like seventy one percent versus seventy two percent. That's like you know like that's a, sort of a false precision, but it is based on two decades of research that's been going on. It's not like a made up thing. And you, We're just the only ones who've done it. You can't go to NASDAQ. You can't go to State Analytics, ISS, MSCI. You can't get this quantitative approach to the actual board power. So, again, you know, people can say they look that well, they know that Elon Musk is in control. But you don't. You don't know. It's a qualitative statement, and yeah. we're trying to get away from that. We're making quantitative statements, which is that he controls 70% of board influence at Tesla. And why does it matter? Because, you know, if you were an investor— who, who were starting to get into Tesla after it became very well-known and after its, its stock price had surged, there might be some, you might have some concern in the long term that this board's controlled by a single entity. There's no counterbalance to his power. And you might, you might wonder, can they sustain this share price? This is just an example of how you could use it. Can, can this company sustain its share price when, it, when there's clearly one 
lunatic CEO in charge who has no, there are no checks and balances, and he also runs seven other companies, right? Well, it's also fascinating to find out things like, and we talk about it all the time, but you might think that the CEO of a company is the most powerful person at the company, but sometimes it's totally not true. That's true in too. Walgreens' case, Stefano Pacina is the most powerful person at the company, drives out Ross Brewer, and you'd think that Ross Brewer as the CEO would have been the most powerful, but but you can quantify it. That's the point. And we're about to because... The oh, there's more. The I thought that was a Chancery show. Court. All right, let's get to it. Hold on, let's get to the stuff. Let's Delaware get to the top story. Wrote our story. Uh, here's the headline: Judge voids Elon Musk's 56 billion dollar Tesla Boom. compensation package. I mean, there used to be the day not too long ago when we saw 56 million dollar pay packages, and, and it was pretty shocking. I mean, it that was is it, shocking. It's a shocking it's amount of money shocking. for one individual. Of course, it's still shocking. <laughs> So that's Delaware. You you just referenced this, Matt. Delaware Chancery Court Chancellor. I like that. Yeah, Chancery Chancellor. Kathleen. It's not Kathleen. It's Kathleen McCormick invalidated Tesla CEO Elon Musk's uh, pay package, ruling that he quote failed to prove that it was fair. Oh, he failed. Now, before I get into it. For those of you who don't know, I just want to recap the history here. In 2018, uh, Musk agreed to be Tesla's CEO uh, uh, and, and with a pay package that included 20 million stock op options in 12 trenches that would vest as the company met more than a dozen milestones. And at that time, they were estimated to be worth about $55 billion. At the same time, shareholders sued Musk and Tesla to rescind the pay package, arguing that it was excessive and that the company's board breached its fiduciary duty in approving it. So that's where this whole thing starts from. Yeah, and and the the Tesla, the Musk case has been that 73 73% of shareholders who weren't named Musk approved the package. Yeah. And they're very proud of the fact that like look, this was approved by shareholders. But it was A not approved by all shareholders and B if you exclude the three or four largest shareholders who basically hold everything and vote yes on everything. Yeah. No due diligence It was there. actually barely approved. Mm -hmm. Barely approved by anybody. No, everybody thought it was excessive. And there were we wrote about it like ad nauseum afterwards, including you and I. We were back at the mothership. We, I believe we did a ESG Now podcast. We've been talking about Shout this for out. years. It's, I mean, because even been on, talking about it for years, even yeah. on, its, on its face value, it is absurd. Because even if you granted him ten percent of this package, give him five point six billion dollars. Think of the other to this shareholders, you know, point. Think of the other, uh, the, the huge amount, the huge pile of cash you could invest into Tesla itself to make the company better for shareholders, right? I mean, it just kind of goes without saying that th there's this is an absurdity on top of an absurd pile of absurdness. Well, I mean, they didn't pay him in cash. They paid him in dilutive stock. Okay, so it well, means every shareholder Stop. who bought, Stop. like, you know. But but the the actually, the ripple effect of this order is going to be fascinating before we even get into the quotes because Tesla's, this, this package, for all of the Musk innovations, this pay package might have been his biggest lasting innovation. His biggest contribution the, to greedy... To, to, White corporate tech, tech bros, bros. Yeah. <laughs> because literally everyone has been copying it. Not to this they extent. Like, Not to this extent. 
This is this no, is far. We're, we're talking about two, three billion dollar pay packages okay. routinely now. But but it's fair to say that you know maybe this chancellor would have approved two billion dollars as opposed to fifty six billion. I mean, this is an absurd amount. This is just absurd. It's an absurdly huge. And in a nutshell, uh, she said, Chancellor McCormick said. Musk enjoyed thick ties with the directors tasked with negotiating on behalf of Tesla and dominated the process that led to board approval of his compensation plan. She went on to say the compensation committee and Musk were not on different sides. They, nope. they did not acknowledge the existence of a conflict. It was a cooperative and collaborative process. She even went on to say that that he dictated the timing of the process, making last-minute changes to the timeline or altering substantive terms immediately prior to six out of the 10 board or compensation meetings uh, during which the plan was discussed. So, th- again, th- why do I say that? Because it goes right back to that number that I started the show with, that 70% influence number. When you hold that much influence at a company, uh, shareholders should be warned that they can pretty much uh, dictate the entire proceedings, right? Uh, yeah, uh, not... Yeah. Do we want to get deep? I want to get deep into the, I, it's a 200 page decision. 200 page. Wrote. Yeah. I have some I have some selected quotes here. So you you, you tell me what you want to do. You want you have something to well, say? You want I, me to read some quotes? I read some quotes and then I want to reinforce some things. I also I Kathleen McCormick. Think, yeah. Yeah. About uh, the uh, the backlash to this. Well, let's start. The, you think OK, let's it. start at the top. First of all, uh, we've got some triggers here for the anti-woke community. First of all, it's a woman. It's a woman. That's already that's the first yeah, trigger. Yeah, that's right? what I was gonna say, right? Like, I mean, when, thank, when's that backlash? Thankfully, happen? not a black woman. It's not Claudine Gay. But but speaking of Claudine Gay, uh, the, Kathleen McCormick did get her BA at Harvard in philosophy. So that's another trigger, oh, right? She's an educated no. woman is a trigger, right? Also. No. Uh, on a weird uh, coincidence, this is from the state of Delaware, and despite being the place where you incorporate because uh, it benefits corporations over everybody else. Yeah, literally. That's it hap- where everyone incorporates. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> it happens to be the home of, of course, of President Joe Biden. So this is another part of the conspiracy theory here. Uh, but I want to get into her ruling, Matt. You said it's a 200... Wait, one last yeah. thing on the conspiracy yeah, theory. Yeah, go ahead. Because even if it wasn't Kathleen McCormick, yeah. it turns out that... The Delaware Chancery Court mm-hmm. is almost all women. It's sixty-three percent of the judges are female. Which, which is There's, B, which B, okay, but which basically aligns with the percentage of women A in the country, B that graduate from top universities, that graduate from top law programs. I mean, it basically aligns with who should be yeah, running that yeah, court. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it aligns with reality. <laughs> it it matters. That's because, the meritocracy, right? Uh, Musk is now saying that he wants to move to either Nevada or Texas mm-hmm. to like reincorporate because he hates Delaware because suddenly I, hates Delaware. I guess yeah. they're woke, right? Yeah. Like, which Delaware, everyone goes there not because they're a blue state or a red state, but because they are the most lenient tax yes. jurisdiction in the entire country for corporations, but. In Texas, it turns out that the Texas Supreme Court, Texas just announced a, a business court that it is constituting in September of this year with judges to be appointed by the governor, which means it's going to be a, a giant red state, you know, bloodbath of governorship appointees. But the Texas Supreme Court, which is the highest court in Texas, is three women Two, one of which is a twofer. It's the only person of color on the entire Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and six white guys. Oh, that's better. Right? So, yeah. 
So, like, the meritocracy might apply in Delaware, but it certainly doesn't necessarily apply in Texas. And does this mean, is the ripple effect, literally every billionaire diaper baby just moves their companies wherever anyone will uh, let them have a well, temper tantrum and do it what they say? Well, for, well first of all, shareholders, like, have no to, shareholders do have to approve this, but as we've we pointed out over and over and over, shareholders don't seem to care. They don't seem to do their they due don't. diligence. They don't, and we can get into that next. Yeah, uh, I will say it's some quotes. I will say it is important what you're. I, I, it sounds like you're you're flippantly pointing something out about the makeup of these courts, but but when you look at Elon Musk's Twitter feed this morning, uh, I, I I kid you not, it is half posts about this case, right? About threatening to move and putting up polls, like, should I move to Texas and blah, 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 blah. And notice he's saying, like, you know, paraphrasing it, 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 it should he do it? Should I, I mean, it, this is a shareholder decision, right? Yes. It's, it's not it's his not company. It's not his company. Yeah. That's right. It's not right. his. <laughs> but the other, the, the other feeds that he is obsessed with, at least this morning, I didn't do a deep dive, thank God, into his all of his posts. But today, in the last 24-hour period is... Post after post after post of the immigrants, the illegal immigrants coming to take over America. It is all about, it is all about like basically like scaring white Americans about brown people coming. It is post after post he's doing this. So it's, I think you're right to point out the makeup of the court in Texas because clearly he thinks that America is represented by a certain thing and it should stay that way and it should stay that way because it supports him, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like mildly tangentially. The border deal that the Republicans were asking for, the Republicans then killed because right, Trump now you're off told on a crazy, them to so that he could, he could campaign on it. But that all happened, right? Yeah. They censured the guy who came up with the thing. That notwithstanding, yeah. that notwithstanding, right? Um, the, like his reactions to this are comical on the on their face given that the only reason why he had 20 what 28% or 26% of Tesla shares at the time after he got paid this it was 20 after I think it was paid. 21% at the time 21% right well now he's asking for 25% of Tesla because he spent all of his money to buy Twitter and he's holding the same shareholders hostage again. Matt, this is a man I, worthy he does not have enough control over the company that gave him a 56 billion dollar pay package. I mean it's how it, yeah. much control is not enough control. You own 70% of the influence. Everybody on the board does exactly what you say and they're getting sued for it. All right. At what point do you say this is absurd? Do you have any like uh, highlight uh, court highlights uh, music you can play for me? I'm going to read some of uh, Kathleen Ooh. McCormick's uh, some of from from her 200 page ruling. I'm going to honor her because again she has her BA in philosophy and she's clearly a good writer. So and she spent some time on this. So I want to honor her by reading a few quotes. Here we go. In the final analysis, Musk launched a self driving process recalibrating the speed and direction along the way as he saw fit the process arrived at an unfair price and through this litigation the plaintiff rec- requests a recall oh how about that yeah a lot of puns I mean, it's like tesla punnery <laughs> how about this one delaware courts have been presented with this question thrice before 
when thrice. more adroit thrice. when more adroit judges found ways to avoid definitively resolving it, this decision dares to boldly go where no man has gone before, or at least where no Delaware court has tread. That's a st- like that. Star Trek reference there. Yeah, but uh, sh- th- how fast before Fox News picks up on no man has gone before and it's a female judge? Uh, colonizing Mars again. These are all this is all verbatim from the the hearing from the uh, the, the the ruling. Colonizing Mars is an expensive endeavor. Musk believes he has a moral obligation to direct his wealth toward that goal, and Musk views his compensation from Tesla as a means of bankrolling that mission. Musk sees working at Tesla as worthy of his time only if that work generates additional economic resources that could be applied to making life multiplanetary. So if you were an investor in Tesla, you're hoping the company makes cars. But what you're finding out is that Tesla is just Elon Musk's bank account to go to Mars. Tesla and Musk are intertwined almost in a Mary Shelley, you are my creator sort of way. Mary Shelley, the writer of Frankenstein. Uh, As Kimball explained, Tesla created Elon Musk's persona and Elon Musk's persona is attached to Tesla. Musk is Tesla's public face and he describes Tesla as my company. Mine. It's mine. Uh, Give it back. And to your point uh, that you mentioned earlier, Matt, she says, in addition to his 22% equity stake, Musk was the paradigmatic superstar CEO who held some of the most influential corporate positions, uh, CEO, chair, and founder, enjoyed thick ties with the directors tasked with negotiating on behalf of Tesla, and dominated the process that led to board approval of his compensation plan. At least, I like this. At least, as to this transaction, Musk controlled Tesla, and again, we have the only quantitative proof of that fact in our data set. So he controlled seventy percent of the board influence. And uh, and uh, as I, I maybe I mentioned before, she says, put simply, neither the compensation committee nor the board acted in the best interest of the company when negotiating Musk's compensation plan. In fact, there is barely any evidence of negotiations at all. So, wow. I mean, this is just like, I, I just took six selected highlights here. Uh, but there's, I got a 200-page ruling. I love it. Well, so I have some more yeah. for you. Okay. Um, and, and then because we, after you do that, we'll get to, I want to get a little bit to to Musk's uh, response on Twitter and some of how, how some of his fans responded to that. Yeah, go so ahead. So inside the 200 pages, which I read about 150 of oh, wow. um, before the Good show. for you. Um, show because off. I don't know why, um, but it was just fascinating to me. She has a whole section on the names of the, and backgrounds of the board members that we're talking about. Yeah, I think part of the problem is when you buy a company, you have no idea like who basically runs the company. You might know the CEO's name. You definitely don't know like the COO or the chief marketing officer's name. And no one knows, no one can name a single board member who is, if you're an investor, you elect those, right? Those are your representatives. It would be like you live in a state in the United States and you have no idea who the governor is um, that you elected, who your reps are in Congress. Well, that might be true these days, yeah. Uh, Which... It would be stupid, but it's possible. So a lot of investors are like that, but she names them all. Mm -hmm. And here is a quote on why the board matters. And this is right. She basically is writing the free float mission statement. Yeah. 
Um, and you mentioned Musk has extensive ties with the persons tasked with negotiating on Tesla's behalf. He had a 15-year relationship with compensation chair Ira Arenpris. Mm-hmm. The other compensation committee member placed on the working group, Antonio Gracias, had business relationships with Musk dating back over 20 years, mm-hmm. as well as the sort of personal relationship that had been vacationing with Musk's family on a regular basis. Yeah. The working group included management members who were beholden to Musk, such as general counsel Todd Marin, who was Musk's former divorce attorney, oh. whose admiration for Musk moved him to tears during his deposition. Mm. He cried in his deposition because of how much he loves Musk. And he, and she goes on to say, um, Marin clearly viewed himself as on Musk's side. Given the collection of people tasked with negotiating on Tesla's behalf, Tesla's mm-hmm. behalf, Tesla, reminder, Tesla's behalf is not Musk's behalf. No. It is the shareholders who own Tesla. It is unsurprising that there was no meaningful negotiation over any of the terms of the plan. Yeah. And look, so, and, and I should say to all the people who, for those of you who don't listen to our show religiously, and shame on you, we have pointed out this very thing, these very relationships for, yes. several times over the past years. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, right? James uh, Murdoch vacationed with Elon. Independent director James Murdoch, son of Rupert Murdoch, you know, Fox, Fox News and all that, vacationed with Elon Musk. He went to Kimball Musk's vacations. wedding. Family he vacations. To, he and Arenpris yeah. were both at Kimball's wedding. And Arenpris invests in restaurants. In fact, she goes, um, she by she I mean Judge McCormick goes person by person through the board and and outlines yeah. how the people matter here. Well, she probably listened to our shows. Including how they don't, because the one woman of color on mm-hmm. the board, um, Johnson, she was added by uh, Gracias, and she's the only person on the board who everybody was hugely enriched by their time on the board. Denholm's net worth is almost entirely, she's the chair of the board, almost entirely because of Musk. Um, Gracias made all of his money on Musk companies, was a vendor to Tesla. They holiday every year. Um, Bus, another one of the directors, owed 44% of his total net worth to Musk, despite them having no prior relationship. The only person who didn't get rich was the black woman. Linda and John- that's not an well, exaggeration. And this is a woman we've talked about many times in the past. This is Linda Johnson-Rice, and she is the only woman who had a, has a, some kind of a moral, ethical code because she actually walked away she from left. the Tesla board. She left the board. She She's left the, one the board. Who left the board. Yeah. So these people 100% matters, but you know what doesn't matter? Some of the governance data points that exist all over like ESG ratings and ESG well, that's part of like the problem, conversations. Right? And that's why we created that's part of the reason why we created our d- data set. And here's a quote because yeah. um, Judge McCormick lays it out. The defendants also point to the duration of the process, nine months, and the number of board and committee meetings, 10, as mm-hmm. evidence that their process was thorough and extensive. Mm-hmm. The defendant's statistics, however, elide the lack of substantive work. Time spent only matters when well spent. Mm -hmm. She basically said the data points that we have, which are they met 10 times and they have a committee and a working group, are pointless. They're stupid. That's not how you should measure this. I will say it is one of the the great limitations of the disclosure. We have some pretty robust and great disclosure here in the US. Like compared to other uh, countries, there, there's a fair amount uh, that 
public corporations should that disclose in their annual proxy statements. But one area where we're far behind Europe is these meetings, these stupid committee meetings, right? Because <laughs> in Europe, they actually they take the time to to actually outline most companies, not all of them, but they the bigger companies they they tell you what they talked about at the meetings. Here well, it's just here it's basically just the compensation committee met seven times. End of story. Well, the the amazing part about this is as part of the court case, right? There's there they they have discovery, so they have the minutes of the meetings. Right. And the first meeting of the compensation committee to discuss the grant for Musk, they didn't they 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 said that she said, she said there was one sentence about compensation. They didn't compensation didn't come up that at was the compensation minutes. committee meeting. That was that. So wow. she points out very methodically. Yeah how there was a working group that was led by a, a man who loves Musk and works effectively for him, who put the, together the whole package and it was a foregone conclusion. In fact, they even named the, some of the investors that they consulted mm -hmm. with the package who gave them notes, yeah. right? Which was fascinating to me because like the, the investors are not BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, Fidelity, the large, you know, passive investors. It's Bailey Gifford. It's Prime Cap. Mm -hmm. It's Jenison. It's a bunch of investors who are much more aligned with Musk, right? Like they're, they, they're starstruck. But I, I just can't, as I went through, I can't get over the fact that A, Tesla wasn't, we may love Elon Musk for being a visionary, but it wasn't even his idea because she says in 2006, Tesla announced it would begin to sell the Signature 100 Roadster for approximately 100000 By August 2007, Tesla had pre-sold a bunch of the Roadsters, which became available in 2008, the same year that Musk became Tesla's CEO. Yeah. He wasn't even the CEO for the build of the first well, cars what, that Tesla rolled out. That's what's fascinating about this and, uh, and why this case is important beyond just sort of the, the actual facts of the case. Because as she, so she, in her, in the report, she mentions that Kimball himself, Kimball Musk, oh, we, we, Matt, we've had this whole conversation. You didn't even, you didn't even point out that his brother is on the yeah, board. You didn't even need to, right? Because the board, the board is so joke. compromised that you don't even have to mention that. But yes, Kimball Musk is a director on this board. And she is wise to point out that, uh, to quote him, he says, Tesla created Elon Musk's persona and Elon Musk's persona is attached to Tesla. And that is part of this weird story of Tesla, right? Is that despite the fact that everybody thinks uh, that he's the founder, he's not. He's despite not, that nope. everyone thinks that he, he, as you've just pointed out with with your timeline, that he, you know, he invented the electric car. He he brought it to market first. It's none of that is true. It is all not only it is all this weird uh, a persona that 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 helped him not only overinflate the share price, but overinflate his pay package. Right? Not only is it not true, but when you put it in context with the fact that he basically views Tesla as his piggy bank to pay for SpaceX and going to Mars and buying things like Twitter and Neuralink and all the fun things yeah, that he well, wants to do. Yes, great that he has vision, and that's why she pointed that out too. A publicly traded company mm -hmm. as a piggy bank to enrich for him, him to for go his do some yeah. other things that he yeah. wants and to I, do, and that's why it was important that she pointed it out because because she's not anti you know like 
capitalism. She's, no, she's just looking at this from the purview of corporate of a corporation, right? And, and what is their and the role? idea? Yeah. Exactly, the CEO's role is not to enrich themselves for whatever you do. I don't care if you're planting trees in Botswana, but that's not really the point of your role of a corporation, right? That's and, that's publicly held by by shareholders. And she specifically points out because this is why fake public companies we decry all the time. She says, quote, the defendants maintain that the plan is an exceptional deal when compared to private equity compensation plans, but they did not explain why anyone would compare a public company's compensation plan with a private equity compensation plan. Uh, That is correct. A little bit more on Linda Johnson Rice. I want to point out that that, the Business Insider reported earlier this year that the reason what she left, the reason why she she left the role as director at Tesla is that she was uh, uh, concerned about Elon Musk's drug use, okay? Yeah, and that right. she and that she asked the board if, to investigate it, and of course the board ignored her. So again, this is just sort of another like part of the story of why it helps to have uh, an independent board. And here's in the yeah. end to mm-hmm. wrap up this segment because I could, I, it was so great reading the yeah the, wrap it up the and then I I want to quickly touch on some of the things I found on Twitter and then we'll move forward. If I think the takeaway here is if investors had just voted like they cared mm-hmm. about this board because investors vote for whatever management says they don't take the time to do due diligence they don't buy the data they don't look at the people we've been told repeatedly I don't care about the board why do I care if I'm making money Stuart Kirk just wrote an entire op-ed about governance doesn't matter we're hypocrites because all we care about is making money in fact we should just say all we care about is making money and quit it with the governance stuff if if anybody took eight seconds to look at this board, you could have avoided 1,700 trial exhibits, nine um, live testimony, uh, uh, four expert witnesses, and nine fact-based witnesses, video testimony from another three witnesses, de- depositions um, from another 23 fact-based witnesses and five expert witnesses, and 255 stipulations of fact, a 200-page document detailing every little detail of the process it took to make the richest man in the world the richest man in the world such that he is controlling satellites that he can turn off in the middle of a war if he doesn't think about it he can spew anti-semitic whatever he wants he can buy you know full social media sites and dismantle them do whatever build them to so that they just amplify his voice he can, he can, way. he can, as an immigrant, he can scaremonger uh, other immigrants coming into the, the country. The only way investors get themselves in this position, we could, if he doesn't get a $55 billion pay package, none of this is true. Well, if I, investors had looked at the board and said, your compensation committee sucks, I will vote say all of them out. I will say that the, the, the only compelling part of the argument against this uh, is, is the fact that, uh, that eighty-one percent of all shareholders did vote for this, and that and that includes seventy-three percent non-insiders. Uh, you could you uh, you know, it is their role to 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 do their due diligence and to learn a few things. But and also that that's the only kind of compelling uh, argument against this, right? Shareholders did, in fact. Although I will say, yeah, these are not this. The say on pay, uh, like at all U.S. companies, was not binding. So they could have even voted this down. And it might not have even mattered. It but, wouldn't have mattered. But, right. but, but that's but, the only thing that you can say here. I will say this, mm-hmm. right? It's not too late. 
the data exists now where you have performance metrics and comp like you know who's actually independent. You can do groupthink analysis of your boards. Yeah. You can do it right now. We right know here. because we have data. Yeah, we but have you it. can do it and actually vote so that you don't give someone $55 billion, have to sue them, hopefully claw it back, but in the meantime, create massive negative ripple effects on in the universe. Inclu including the, 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 the value of the shares that you hold, because they, they continue to fall, I'm guessing, today, as they have been for-, for I think the they were down 2% at the open, yeah. Okay, so uh, before I wrap up this, I just wanted a few things I found on uh, Twitter, X, whatever, whatever he calls it. He said, Elon Musk said, Again, he he speaks through this uh, medium now. That's, about, that's where you hear him. He said, never incorporate your company in the state of Delaware, and I recommend incorporating in Nevada or Texas if you prefer shareholders to decide matters. And then his own uh, chatbot, his own AI chatbot, Grok. This is what Grok yeah, said Grok. in response to that. One of the things that Grok said was, that about this case, maybe it will even encourage companies to invest more in their employees and products rather than just lining the pockets of their top executives. Wow, that's what that's what Grok said say. about. But then, <laughs> but then he put up a, Elon Musk put up a poll: Should Tesla change its state of incorporation to Texas, uh, home of its physical headquarters? And this is what some of the, the 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 responders. This is what some of the replies were to this poll. Every company should change their state of incorporation to a red state, right? So this okay. is where Okay. But this That's is where we're at. But I'm saying that this is why we started at the top of the show with with talking about the fact that the it was a woman who pointed this out, right? And that uh she went to Harvard and it happened so in Delaware. Dumb. Someone else says uh, I think moving to a state that likes business instead of a state that actively hates capitalism is probably good. And remember, <laughs> this is someone with complete unawareness of why uh, corporations incorporate in Delaware in the first place. And finally, someone said, and here's a good one for us. Also, when we reincorporate in a different state, you can introduce the dual class structure. Oh, win, win, is. win. Finally, yeah. finally, yeah. Fake uh, public company. Then, then it's that's what you know what, and that that actually, in a nutshell, is yeah. what dual class structures are about. It is making the company your personal piggy bank because you have no shareholder accountability. You took their capital, but you don't answer to them anymore. That is the opposite of the point of a public company. Okay, Matt, that's enough for Elon Musk. Do you, I, I'm going to give you. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to make this a democratic process. You're and you're the you represent the entire democracy. A vote of one. Do you do you want to end the show here, or do you want me to keep going with what else I I have? What else I've been covering this morning? I'm going to let you. Know you. What? I I want to end the show here All because right, good, I good. actually I'm save I this for another day because I have some I have some good information here about uh, tech CEOs testifying in D.C. and a bunch of layoffs at tech companies. I will cover that on fr in the Friday show. Yes, I like that. And, and, and you know what? Honestly, yep. I think that this is the most important decision to come out of a court about why people matter at these public companies. I mean, why our company matters. Or why you know? our company matters. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what people are waiting for. I don't know. I don't. I, I you know, get your hands on this data, and, and, or get it's, your hands on us. We'll 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 talk you through the data. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll walk you through how to use we'll it. How to talk it about you. it. Yeah. That's Hazelnut Rollis. I am your analyst, whole Matt Muscardi. I'm exhausted. I need a mai tai, maybe in Delaware somewhere. Mai tai. 
We are free float. We are. Uh, we have a show coming out tomorrow. It's going to be a proxy countdown. We're doing actually a big vote on what? Oh yeah, we're doing we a German doing? company, Siemens. German we're our company, first non-U.S. Siemens. company we're covering. Yeah, we're going to cover them tomorrow, and we'll be back on Friday to wrap the week. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>